Today we're back for our second episode of the TLA Young Entrepreneurs Podcast, creating a snapshot of the global tech scene from a young entrepreneur's perspective. Today I'm joined by Andrew Rohan from Plexel. Andrew, to start off with, could you give us sort of a, a short overview of your journey into tech? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me. So I'm Andrew Rowan. I'm CEO of Plexel. Uh, my journey to tech started 21 years ago uh, when I left university. Uh, I joined a company called Marconi, uh, which was focused on um, defence and telecoms. Uh, from there, I went to an organisation called Cable and Wireless, where I spent a decade working on uh, mergers and acquisitions, integrations of companies, and product development. Uh, from there, I took a short leap from telecoms into data centres, um, focused on building data centre platforms out for cloud companies. Um, and that found me into a, a team that created the concept that is now Here East, uh, which is an innovation campus on the Olympic Park in London. Integral to that innovation campus is having an innovation centre, a collaborative innovation ecosystem where you can cause change to happen. Um, we do that by way of bringing communities together. So we've got a thousand people on one floor. Um, and we work with some of the largest public sector and private sector organisations in the world in order to drive innovation and change. Could you tell us a little bit more about what Plexel is and its key objectives? Sure. So Plexel is a for-profit organisation, so we're privately funded. Uh, our mission, and we, we very much see it as a mission in life, is to think about government-led innovation. So where there is a public policy uh, which is responding to a market failure or opportunity for the UK, we want to put together collaborative teams in order to cause that change to happen. Okay. And we typically do that in, in three areas. So firstly, emerging technologies, so where we see a huge opportunity. Um, national security, where we're protecting the nation, we're securing critical supply chains. And then thirdly, prosperity. So how can we cause change for communities that otherwise wouldn't have that change? How can we make them grow, develop, see opportunity? What are those emerging technologies that are sort of dominating tech startups and being used by young entrepreneurs at the moment? Yeah, so the best startups that I see and the best young entrepreneurs that I, I work with aren't necessarily thinking about the technology itself. They're thinking about the application, the customer, you know, how it will be used. That said, inherent in the digital age, there are some pervasive technologies that are really important. And to name a few, I think cybersecurity, yeah. artificial intelligence and machine learning, increasingly quantum, yeah, okay. um, being able to create immersive experiences through virtual reality, mixed reality, augmented reality, um, thinking about crit how critical national infrastructure supports the delivery of technology. I think th those are the areas where I get really excited, where I see a, a, a startup, a young entrepreneur coming forward with a product idea. Uh, but I can't reiterate enough, it's all about the customer and how they will experience the application of that technology. Yeah, so it's very important to have that challenge-led approach. So I want to ask, what does innovation mean to you? Plexel is a company that's all about innovation and supporting that. What does it mean to you? So for me, innovation is all about progress okay. and causing change to happen positively. I think... It is a confused term though, so I think lots of people when they think about innovation, they think immediately about startups. Okay. And they think immediately then about hackathons and incubators and accelerators. And those are toolkits that can help innovation, but they're not innovation itself. So innovation can be performed by a company of any size, a company of any age. 
there are certain characteristics we look for in a, in a good innovator, um, and that's what we're really excited about: is getting this eclectic community of change makers together, um, where we can support their growth journey, we can support how they execute their product, and how we can get them into marketplaces and see them thrive. Tell us then, what makes a good innovator? I think it's really important to recognise that innovation can happen in many arenas. So often when I talk about innovators, I'm talking about a tech innovator, someone building a product. But we should also recognise there's social innovators out there, there's processes that need innovation, there's cultures that need innovation. And it's that innovative thinking we recognise in people. And we could have a social enterprise, in the case of Badoo Sports, who, who work with us, um, who are using innovative thinking around how children use sport in schools, okay. and actually how you can motivate them and give them career paths as a result of it. Alongside a virtual reality training platform from the guys called Moonhub, where they're building training capability for multiple sectors um, using virtual reality. They're both innovators. And the really interesting thing is it's those people who are most passionate about their mission and they're determined to, to get the job done for the communities and the, and the end users that they serve. Earlier on, you were talking a bit about sort of collaboration between the public and the private sector. How does that, what are the benefits of that for young entrepreneurs and how does that sort of come about? Because it's, it's quite, a, quite an interesting concept. Really. I, mean, I might call this the holy grail because... Okay. Public sector talks a lot about engaging with small and medium enterprises and um, diverse and inclusive community groups. But the frameworks, the processes, the contracts, the existing supply arrangements all point towards that being really difficult to do. And there's also an existing supply chain that that would like to prevent those things happening because they they want to ensure that their, their economic opportunity is protected. Now, Plexo takes a slightly different approach to that. So, so I mentioned before about us thinking about public policy and then bringing together diverse groups in order to cause that change to happen. So we are often seen as a body that sits in between public sector and private sector, sits in between big and small. Yeah. And what we try and do is understand the mission and motive of each of those groups in order to unblock the issues. Okay. So we've done this successfully in a, a series of projects. The, the most well-known one is when we work with IBM on and it's about IBM supplying technology capability into government, where they want a startup to work alongside them. And we effectively are the, the glue in between those three factors to make sure that everyone's needs and wants are represented. Uh, but there's also a smooth and successful integration between the big and the small. Um, it's quite a, a difficult task to do, but it's, it's something we've become expert in. It's one of our core core um, capabilities. How do Plexal sort of pick up those young entrepreneurs and help them out? Is it through accelerators? Is it through incubators? And how do they facilitate, I guess, growing to this stage where you can start collaborating with public and private sectors yeah. and in between them as well? Yeah, sure. So we, we've got a number of ways of getting to the communities that we work yeah. with. Um, the first one is the physicality of our space. So, so okay. we operate 70,000 square foot on one floor in, on the Olympic Park in London. And we've got two other facilities, one in Manchester, one in Cheltenham, and a, a small office opening in Shoreditch um, in the next okay. month or so. So the physicality is the first thing to draw people in, but it's got to be an inclusive welcome. So yes. we've designed our spaces to represent many cities, 
to feel like people can freely roam around them, to feel like that there's there's always someone we can engage with. Um, the design of what we've done is intended to work for the local community and the international community equally. We do a lot of work with the local councils, particularly Newham and Hackney, um, in order to start to drive interest and intrigue about what we're doing. Um, in terms of accessing the young entrepreneur themselves, so again, a, a number of ways of doing it. So we do run a series of, of government accelerator programs. We are all about networks. So yeah, we, we met through Tech London Advocates, which is yeah. one of several that we're involved with, but we, we love going to events. We love talking to people. We love thinking about ways in which we can collaborate. And I'm a great believer in the, the, the economics look after themselves in the end. If you've got something of value in both directions, then you'll both be motivated to come together. And if someone needs to pay someone later, you can work that out. So it's all about getting our brand out there, becoming welcoming, getting our physically in front of people when we can, and then joining the dots between what we do and what they do and seeing if there's something that works. Um, there are varying degrees of engagement. So it could just be about young entrepreneurs want to be in a world-class facility. And yeah. therefore, we just want to get them into a hot desk and then the community takes over. All the way through to they could be the subject of one of these big programs I'm mentioning where um, we compare them with some of the largest organisations in the world if there's a product fit between what they do and what, what the, the large private sector body wants. That is really, really interesting. And what you've just said really resonates with my experience as well. When I went to China in 2019 for COVID with the Global Tech Advocates, I was talking to local businesses over there and they wanted to know how they could sort of interact and attract that young tech talent. And it's all about being visible in those communities where the young tech talent is present. It's really, really important. Brilliant. There's actually one near-term opportunity which your young entrepreneur community might want to be looking at. So we, I mentioned earlier on we're just about to open a site in Shoreditch. It's a partnership with Hackney Council. And alongside that, we're going to be launching a programme called Grown in Hackney. And what this is all about is for Hackney-based businesses, and I'd love for young entrepreneurs to be part of this, is to, to talk to us about their growth journey and we will give them a year's worth of support, including office space. Uh, to support their growing journey along that side. That. So if there's anyone listening now who's interested in that, if you go on plexo.com, um, you can see the details. Yeah, that's a really, really amazing opportunity. And I've got to say, your offices here are absolutely amazing. I'm very jealous. Some of the, the companies here have got amazing, amazing office space. Hopefully, I'll be here in the future, though. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> One of the things I did want to ask, as Tech London Advocates, young entrepreneurs, we've started with a really global focus. So we're looking at China, the ASEAN region, UK and Africa in particular. And in our very first event, we had speakers representing all of those areas. And one of the things we really want to encourage is interacting with global markets. So what would you say, you know, how can young entrepreneurs start accessing those global markets? What are the challenges, what are the barriers, and how can they overcome them? Well, really good question. So... If I were a young entrepreneur, so I, say, yeah. I only qualify for one of those words at the moment. Um, if I were a young entrepreneur, I'd be thinking all about the network. So how do I particularly use the UK government machine to help me get my product global and get exposure in global markets? Now, I would start with things like Tech London Advocates. Yeah. I would then go to someone like London and Partners. Um, and I'd look at the trade missions that they facilitate. So London Partners are a mayoral body focused on the brand of London, 
inbound and outbound. So how can I attract companies here, and then how can we get our companies out to, to the international markets? And they've got a fantastic program of activity, sometimes focused on uh, underrepresented groups, sometimes focused on technology types, sometimes focused on particular regions around the world where they've got partnerships. So I'd be using them because it's really mutual gain. I'd be looking at the Department for International Trade, particularly around the key tech events around the world. So it's, it's not untypical for the Department for International Trade to want to take a cohort of British companies okay. to places like Slush, Web Summit, South by Southwest, um, to name a few where there's opportunities in each of those markets to get your product out there to the local community. There's often very large subsidies available for that, so they might be able to pay for your travel or certainly pay for your admission to the event. Um, so really worth looking at, making sure that you're, it, it has been paired with the opportunity you're trying to focus on. One thing I would counsel against is, is don't, don't view it as tourism. So <laughs> if you're a young entrepreneur, you believe in your product, find these routes to get your product out there, but don't view it as a free trip. View it as something where you're going to aim to cause an outcome, you're going to achieve a number of meetings, you're going to sell on a number of products or whatever it is it's, you know, in your mind, but really use these opportunities. Yeah, okay, so really important to stay focused on your goals when you start going to the global markets and stay true to your values as well, I guess. In particular, I'd like to ask you a bit about sort of what, what is the innovation going on in Africa at the moment? Because it's one of the areas that we really like to, to reach out into more. Sure. So I mentioned before about Plex's model being focused on government-led innovation, and we mean UK government-led innovation. As a result of that, we do quite a lot of work with the Department for International Trade and with the Foreign and Commonwealth and Development Office. And that often sees us into international marketplaces where there's knowledge sharing between innovation ecosystems to see what we can learn from each other. We recently had an engagement with um, an institute that's focused on advising governments in the developing economies within Africa. And the observation they had about some of the, the particular African economies, and, and they were particularly focused in Ethiopia, Ghana, um, and Kenya, is the opportunity, as the economy is developing at such pace, to leapfrog from a technology perspective. So if you have critical national infrastructure, let's say in the telecom sector, your current infrastructure is 3G, don't build 4G, go straight to 5G. So there's lots of opportunities there where I think there are um, emerging African innovation ecosystems that are going straight to bleeding edge. And I think for the UK and other developed economies, I think it's really interesting looking in at that and saying, well, how do, how do they, um, and how, how do we work together, but also how does the entrepreneurial ecosystem develop at the same pace? So is it possible for, for the human uh, community to make the same leap, or do they lag that technology change? So I think, I think it's just really interesting there's, there's lots of progressive governments over there who are thinking about that. Why don't, why don't we just take a decade or two out of our development life cycle and just go straight there? And, I mean, I feel that a lot of young entrepreneurs sometimes gloss over Africa and they don't really see sort of all of the all of the amazing stuff that's happening there, all of the amazing opportunities that are now coming with this idea of leapfrogging. And a lot of a lot of stuff is out into sort of the ASEAN region where there is a lot of development markets as well. There's really amazing stuff, but Africa as well shouldn't be overlooked. So I've got a few more kind of more specific um, questions relating to young entrepreneurs. 
Two of them, in fact. Firstly, what would you say are the barriers facing young entrepreneurs? A few things. So, access to finance. And I'll, I'll go into these one by one, but I think access to finance, um, skills and talent, um, access to advice and lessons learned, okay. um, and then signposting to the networks that, that are available. Now, if I focus on each of them, so from an access to finance perspective, I think the UK is playing catch up with the US in, in terms of the availability of finance and then the culture and method of getting that finance out there. Um, I think there's still some unconscious bias around young entrepreneurs okay. where I think the, unlike the US, the UK is quite risk averse and they, they want to see experience and they want to see proof that someone could do something rather than in the US it's all about give someone a go and let's, let's even if they fail, let's see, let's see how it goes. So I think, I think there's a, a cultural barrier there that I think organisations like Plexel can help young entrepreneurs through because we can, we can navigate through that, we can tell our story differently, we can coach our way through the, you know, how, how to watch for those signs and avoid them. Skills and talent, I think, is really important. It's, I don't think something often a young entrepreneur will think about because, of course, they are their own skill and talent. Yeah. But what I'm interested in is when their entrepreneurial idea starts to mean they might need to hire someone, it's actually where do they get those people from? What skills do they need, and how affordable are they? Uh, I think I think young young entrepreneurs need need some help in understanding what that journey looks like, because inherent in it, every growing company will be adding staff to it over time, and I think even getting incentives right around employee number two is how do you, how do you reward them? So are you giving them shares? Are you how are you benchmarking their salaries, do, do they need to be your partner on a peer-to-peer -peer basis or are they your employee on a, you know, yeah, a hierarchical yeah. basis? Just the culture of that is really important to think through and, and learn. Um, access to network, kind of the point I was making around the international trade opportunities, but I think that the, you know, it's manifest across the board where I think getting involved in networks like Tech London Advocates is a really, really fantastic idea. Just Often seeing the wood for the trees is, is quite important because there are so many networks out there. It's actually picking the right ones for you, not just the popular ones, but the right ones. Um, and then thinking about lessons learned. So there's, there's a really generous ecosystem out there of mentors and coaches and people who are available to spend time on, you know, on no charge basis, but spend time with, with young people, with underrepresented groups, to just tell their own story. And, Think about you know the, the terrible things that happened throughout our experience, and if, if I could tell people that maybe one of them won't get that same mistake wrong again. And I think getting into those forums, finding a mentor, finding a coach, I think I'd really encourage young entrepreneurs to think about. Yeah, and I guess having that personal narrative or even that business narrative is really really powerful. And when you hear other people's, you're able to interact with that, get a real ecosystem going, and that's quite exciting. So, my final question to you today is, you talked about it a bit earlier, the characteristics that make a good innovator. What would you say are the standout characteristics of a successful young entrepreneur? So, I think a successful young entrepreneur needs to be brave, visionary, fearless, uh, determined, 
hardworking, connected, and self-aware. Yeah. And I think the self-awareness bit is, is probably my biggest personal learning around often you see the, you hear about the archetypal entrepreneur and they're extroverts, they're loud, gregarious. I don't think entrepreneurialism necessarily needs that. You know, sometimes it, it does, but I also think the introverts, the, the big thinkers, the you know, quiet but thoughtful entrepreneurs out there really having a renaissance, if you will, now that, that those people are really going to push the boundaries. That, that they don't necessarily need to fit a cookie cutter what, what you think of as Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. Not all entrepreneurs need to be like that. But overriding all of this is passion. So believe in yourself and believe in your, your product and your, you know, what your mission is. Yeah, most certainly. And it's interesting, in, a, in our last interview, we were able to get it down to three sort of characteristics, but there are definitely a wide range of, of skills that young entrepreneurs have to be able to have. I think that self-awareness is really important. Being able to know, I guess, where your strengths are as well and what sort of person you are, it's really important to then guide you and having that passion as well is really crucial to keep you going, keep you motivated. Okay, so in a nutshell, what are your top three standout characteristics of a successful young entrepreneur? So the first one I think is passion. What I mean by that is the passion to come up with a product, to have a vision, to serve a marketplace and be unwavering in how you think of it. The second one is self-awareness. So having the ability to be introspective to understand the impact you have the way your personality works where your flaws are where your your positive traits are and be able to put them to work as you need to and the third one is insatiable drive so just commitment to get the job done so i'm not talking about hours here but but sometimes it is hard work but it's the drive to make something happen how do you unlock the opportunity okay so it's about passion Self-awareness and having that insatiable drive. It's really, really interesting. And what great insight you've provided today, Andrew. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. My pleasure.